Killicam comes to town and takes the Knicks off the court at MSG. We break it all down right after the theme music. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Nets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there is Doug Norrie. Right here is Adam Armbrecht. And today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. Thanks for making us your first listen of the day. Free on all those great platforms, Doug. Comeback victory at MSG. Nothing is sweeter. I'm not a big, I don't get in the weeds on this stuff, but it does feel pretty good to have an epic comeback against the Knicks on their home court, led by the young rookie. Man, that was awesome. I was I was feeling it down the stretch there. That game, I mean, what a comeback. Once it starts looking like it's in sight, you really just want to make sure they are able to follow through with it. And it, we're going to talk about Cam, obviously. We'll talk about James Johnson. We'll talk about some of the adjustments they made. But this is just one of the best wins of the season. You really, at a time where the Nets really needed it, obviously they broke the losing streak last game. They really needed to get off the schneid. It really looked like they had just taken their foot off the gas in the first half when the Knicks just made everything. To be able to have the heart to fight back all the way from a game where you're down 28 at one point, and it's basically over to come all the way back against this team. And, you know, he's across town. It's, it's, it's an away game. So that's, you know, it's not, it's not in Barclays. This is just one of, they called it at the end of the broadcast, like a galvanizing win for the team. I, you can't look at it at anything else but that. It's like just one of the true games they needed. They fought back. They kind of made every, they did everything right down the stretch. And it was just an awesome win. I got to tell you, too, we'll, do, we'll check the facts here and make sure it's in the show notes, if not correct. But I believe Michael Grady mentioned largest comeback in franchise history, down 28 points. So w- when you talk about uh, an opportunity without Kyrie Irving, without Kevin Durant, no Ben Simmons out there yet, and the way that this game starts, where to your point, it felt like this could have just kind of gotten away from them. You get the good feeling of getting a win with some of these new players on the court the game prior. And then a big step back here. We know they have a back-to-back coming up here before the All-Star break. This is kind of what we were hoping for in terms of riding a bit of this good vibe wave after the trade. And, I mean, man, listen, it has to be in and around and all about Cam Thomas, who early in this one looked like he just couldn't find his rhythm. One and nine from the field to start. It didn't have too bright of lights, whatever you want to call it, of MSG. And then all of a sudden, Second half, he just starts to slowly navigate the court, pick his spots on the floor. There's tons of things I want to get to around his game, but clearly he, he's shown this before already this season. But boy, did he step up and take over this when no one else seemingly was going to be able to get it done on the offensive end for Brooklyn. Yeah, completely crushed the Knicks drop coverage in the second half. Like He just kept getting to a spot over and over. He's the kind of player, and we've seen this from the beginning, like right back all the way to Summer League, is that you know, missing shots is not going to be a problem for him from like a psychological standpoint, right? Like, is it going to be a problem for him 
when he just, you know, he's just a streaky shooter and, you know, he's just a volume shooter. And guys like that aren't going to, like, get dismayed or dissuade away from their shot because a few haven't gone in. And some were bad misses early, too, frankly. And it's just not the kind of thing, it's just not the kind of thing that bothers me. You know, it's funny, I used to, this is not, he's not a comparison like this, but one of my first, like, basketball idols was Allen Iverson, growing up in Philadelphia. Um, And I, you know, the Iverson years where he was just basically the whole team, there was the joke around him at the time was that he's just going to shoot his way out of it, right? Like, and if you, and if you followed the Allen Allen Iverson experience, that was it. It was like, hey, he's just going to put up 30 shots. Like, it doesn't matter if the first 29 missed, like, number 30 is going up. And I think, like, to some degree, he's not there. Their style of play is totally different. But, like, to some degree, the mentality is the same. You can see with Cam Thomas because he just doesn't – it just doesn't matter if the other shots miss because he just believes that the next shot is going in. And that was sort of the theme late in this game was like, hey, these are just going to go in. And he kept finding his spots. Like he said, he destroyed Mitrov, just kept dropping on the drop coverage. That was such a mistake over and over again. And then to bury the three that was basically the dagger. I know it wasn't the end and it wasn't a buzzer beater. But for him to step up in the half court and just basically drill that shot was just a testament to the mentality that this guy has. And the Nets really found something here in the draft. We've seen it, we saw it in Summer League. It continues to play out. It's still a work in progress. But these are the games that just solidify this idea that, like, Cam Thomas was drafted well above his draft slot. And, like, and that's just it. He's just, he's just a flat out scorer. Oh, yeah, and I really thought, to your point about finding the spaces on the floor, getting his shot, working himself into that game, the first half was his sample size of trying to tack at the rim a little bit. Some of the perimeter looks weren't going either, and I think that that's a really good sign. We've, We've talked all season long about his development, the evolution of his game, and I thought he did a really good job in this one of of digesting information from the defense and then making an adjustment about how he could find opportunities for himself. By the end of it, this is just a kid that's a pure scorer. And like you say, the dagger triple is just kind of the, hey, I'm fully in my bag now. Everything's flowing. Everything's feeling great. But the contrast from the first half where he was one of nine, then went eight of 12 over the back end of this game was the difference of him saying, I can penetrate and then also navigate with enough quickness to the mid-range spots, turn around and get my looks up, as opposed to fighting in size, a lot of big bodies there. He got it rejected a lot early in this game, completely went away from that on the back end. And you saw how the rest of the team sort of to defer to him late, right? Yeah. Like he was... For all intents, excuse me. For all intents and purposes, I'm getting choked up about this Cam Thomas performance. <laughs> but for all intent, for all intents and purposes, he was the guy. Like Seth Curry, Patty Mills, LMA. Like these guys saw it late. They're like, hey, he needs the ball, right? The the Knicks were sort of starting to sell out to make sure he couldn't get shots. That actually opened up shots for Aldridge late. Was that like they just you know they were trying to trap to trapping Cam Thomas late in games? Like that's just such a testament to what they what they didn't want him to be able to do, and they were doing it to Curry and Mills early in the game too but it was just like a testament to what they didn't want to happen which was for him to keep getting shots off because it was a clear identification that they were just kind of going in and that actually led to a couple other good looks for the Nets even when he didn't shoot it but the fact that they deferred to him late in the game I think is such a sign about his maturation both as like we see him as a scorer and how the rest of the team also sees him this is a freaking rookie like this is a guy like Patty Mills, Seth Curry, LaMarcus Aldridge, these guys are veterans, right? Like these guys are, you know, some of them are a little bit basketball long in the tooth. And for them to even them to see, hey, our best chance to win here is for him to get good looks and for us to like do everything we can to get him looks because he's just feeling it right now. It just was, it's not the only reason they won the game. 
but man, it's such a huge one. And if you're going to look back at a Cam Thomas sort of like performance at the end of the year or next year or whatever, like we just have to remember this as a stepping stone game for him because he was the dude. Like he was the guy that the, the Nets looked to late in the game to win the game, and he did it. And listen, you bring up a couple of good things there. One, that even even Seth Curry, even Patty Mills, right? These guys are players that fill certain roles, but you don't expect them to be the leader of your team. And I'm not saying that Cam Thomas is supposed to be the leader of this team, but it's the untapped what what if, right? What is the potential of this kid? He can be a superstar in this league at some point. Nobody else that's on the court for the Nets in this particular game has that possibility, right? We don't have any question marks around, is Seth Curry going to turn into a number one shooter leader of a team at some point? Cam Thomas could be, and this is a great instance where he showed that, and I, I was going to hold off on this until later in the show, but it just it was such a high-energy moment around it. Following the late-game sequence in the fourth quarter, when the ball goes out of bounds, turnover, gets it back to the Nets, Kevin Durant, who was invested in this game from wire oh, yeah. to wire, Big time. He, directly, he, he directly made co- eye contact with Cam Thomas, had a very specific words, whatever the messaging was, and we've seen this time and time again, it was, go take over this game. Like, this is your time. This is when you dominate. We've seen this all season long around Cam Thomas from all the players on this team wanting him to take shots, wanting him to get into his bag, not deferring, not getting discouraged, and it just it really looked like there was this very clear message from Kevin Durant to Cam Thomas that you're the best guy on the court right now. This is your opportunity to win this game for us, and after that dagger three, you saw... Durant give what's normally after he's on the court and makes a shot that howl at the moon that he likes to do. He walked off screaming it into the MSG crowd. It was it was a really big moment for for Cam Thomas, and I think you're seeing that influence of being around players like Kevin Durant and even like Kyrie Irving and how it impacts your play on the court and the confidence that you come out there with. Yeah, he and basically he and Aldridge combined to score almost all the points, you know, the last, I don't know, what was it? This is like the last 20-ish points uh, for the team down the stretch. And a big part of that was because, like you said, the confidence was confidence was there. Uh, the Durant piece is awesome. We've seen that from him multiple times this season where he's kind of either given him some tough love or given mm-hmm. him, like, because he's definitely done it. Like, he's definitely, you know, it's not, he doesn't yell at him, he doesn't show him up. He just said, you know, when you make a mistake, you make a mistake. When you do something good, you get praised for it. And that was just another case of this. It was just awesome. I Like, we're going to look back at this game, I think, as like a galvanizing moment, like they said in the broadcast for the team, and just as a stepping stone move by Cam Thomas into this ascension of whatever he is going to become uh, when it's all said and done. Okay, we got a lot more to talk about here. Little James Johnson, some of the rotational stuff, uh, just the, the comeback in general, as you can tell that we're absolutely buzzing. First, going to talk to you about our friends over at Bet Online. Football season's over. We know that one finished up on Sunday. No, no big deal. Basketball still in full swing. Headed toward the All-Star break and then the second part of the season and then the playoffs, baby. Uh, all the latest odds, totals, player performance props uh, to where the next coach is going to get fired. Ooh, I hate to go negative, but BetOnline's got it there for you. BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, news this Season, not just basketball, betonline.net, your source for hockey, boxing, maybe some USC fight nights, Olympic coverage as we still go on with that over there in China. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. And, of course, you made the Locked On Nets podcast your first listen. Why don't you go ahead and make the Locked On Now podcast your second listen? Nightly recaps of every single NBA game from other local experts across the network. Unique 
to the Locked On Podcast Network because we got all those guys in all those cities talking about the epic wins or maybe check out the Locked On Knicks and see how it felt to unfortunately fall at the hands of Brooklyn. Turn our attention then over to, and we'll send it out a little bit. I think I did a nice job there. I was going to go uh, a little more a little, a little more ribbing, but I like the host of the Locked On Knicks podcast, and I generally don't have that kind of FU energy in me around games like this. Oh, those guys are great. Yeah, you can't, I actually uh, felt bad about it, too, because we were in the group thread right before this, and uh, like we just got a little Knicks and Nets group chat that we just weigh in on every, every once in a while, and I, I think everyone resisted the urge to have any kind of opinion about it because sure. <laughs> it's just that, hey, it's basketball, man. It happens on the court. It happens on the court. That being said, though, in and around this game, and it's easy to, I think, kind of dismiss everything else that happened before Cam Thomas and before LaMarcus Aldridge really take over and help bring home this win, but James Johnson, I said it over on Twitter, this is this is the Nets' new favorite guy to, to love, hate, hate, love. It, it's all inside of this bag when he, when he does it and, it and it works. You think, man, this dude just knows how to get in on it. When it goes wrong, it goes epically, epically wrong. Like that is what this guy is capable of on a game to game basis. And he put it on display in this one. First half, eh, not so sure. I'm loving what's happening here. And then over the third quarter, though, he started to figure some things out. It's just he seems like he's one of these energy guys. And there's a there's a number of players I think that extends to in a game like this. But what's just, I, it's almost funny because by the way, inside of some groups and over on Twitter, they said next guy up to get chopped when they bring in a buyout body, James Johnson. And, and I think games like this should give Nets fans pause, and just in general of, don't overreact one side of it or the other, because these players, while they may have ups and downs, they do have value, they do have roles, they do they do serve a function on, on teams like this, and you have to be a little bit more even-keeled, especially when you don't have the stars out there. Yeah, see, this is a really interesting example, and like sort of an inflection point for sort of, I think, how you feel about a couple different things around the team. So Nash, and I'll explain what I mean here in a second. Like Nash makes a change to start James Johnson over Kessler Edwards. Kessler's been struggling a little. Yeah, he's been struggling a little bit, but it's an interesting move that you kind of didn't see coming. There was no idea that this was going to come until they announced the starting lineup. What becomes very clear, the reason they did this was so specifically so James Johnson could cover Julius Randle. Like this is the, this is the one-to-one move. It's like Julius Randle is a bit of a different guy than we've seen. He's playing the four. He's a big dude. He can post. He can pick and roll. Like he's kind of a problem for certain defenders. And he's a big and he's big, and that's going to be a problem for Kessler Edwards. And I thought this was an interesting move to start because it was like very it was very clear why it was like this is what you're doing like he's going he's James Johnson is a more of a body that can guard Julius Randle. It goes as bad as possibly could ever be expected in the first half where the Knicks just can't miss a three. Randall's like hitting rhythm threes that aren't even touching the net basically, and he's getting to the rim and it's just looking bad. And James Johnson is also just kind of a mess because. It gets it screws up your offense a little bit to ha- not have Kessler as a floor spacer, but instead have James Johnson, who kind of wants to do DHO stuff and dribble a lot alongside Andre Drummond, and that can be weird, right? So yeah. like everything kind of gets out of whack, and you're like, oh my god, what happened? Nash sticks with it in the second half, and it totally works because they they buck the defensive presence that Johnson had on Randall, like they just they make a total switch in terms of the intensity and the inability for Randall to kind of get anything going. And that was all James, or not all, that was a lot James Johnson in mm-hmm. the second half. with the Because, like, Randall was basically did nothing in the second half with Johnson primarily guarding. He ends up fouling out because of it, because uh, like, the defensive intensity. And I just thought, 
like Nash won't get credit for this because I think most people are going to kill him for the early piece where it just looks so bad. But this the exact thing that they were trying to do to win the game, he just stuck with it and it ended up working. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like and he didn't James Johnson himself did not win the game, but the idea behind why he was playing so much, death James Johnson was a plus 16 in this game. Like for as bad as that looked, he was the only guy better was uh was Curry plus 27. Like he was a plus 16 in this game. And a big reason was for how much they started to lock it down on the defensive end in the second half. And this really is where, to me, uh, I'll, I'll tap into it here because we can touch on some other players and then the chemistry piece around this team in these last couple of games. But this is where uh, it looks bad in the first half. Right. But the New York Knicks are a terrible three-point shooting team. So you're having some defensive rotation issues. They're knocking down 60. At one point, they had knocked down 61% from beyond the arc and were shooting 60% from the field. Like, it was like, hey, don't even bother. Only from beyond the arc exclusively. And that can... It can skew your perspective on whether or not it was the right decision to come in with a particular game plan. Now, if you're Steve Nash and you stick with it, you like to think that the results are going to play themselves out, right? Now, now, if Cam Thomas doesn't go off offensively, will everyone look at that move and say that it's still a disaster, should have been Kessler Edwards the whole time, should have looked differently? Maybe, but this is why you can't have concrete reactions two quarters into a game. Because the Nets come back, it looks really good, and the defensive piece and impact that Johnson had on Randall is what helped as much as anything be a catalyst for this win. You had to get stops. Gave up 60-plus points in the first half, 65, I think, right? You had to find a way to shut down the Knicks in the second half and give yourself a chance to get buckets on the offensive end. So I I really, I was, I popped it on the Twitter space for a minute at halftime, and it's just, it's so alarming to me how ebb and flow reactionary things can become. When Bembry got cut, it was the end of the world. You're never going to be able to replace that effort and energy. How are you going to get space for buyout market guys? And James Johnson is awful, and he needs to go. Then he has a game like this combined with other players, like Drummond we'll get to in a minute. And I, I, this is where, if it, if it doesn't work, it's the coach's fault. When it does work, it's how good the players were, right? There's never going to be this middle ground where you look at it and say, maybe the long-term view on some of these decisions need to be taken into account. Yeah, look, you're going to look at Randall's line, 31 points, 10 rebounds, and say, oh, you know, did they stop him? Look, it's very clear. The second half, like that was all first-half performance. And yep. it was like on ridiculous shooting. Yeah, he put up a nice line. But when it really was mattering and the Nets needed to get stops and they were and like and they just needed minus nine, to, by the way, plus minus for Randall in this game. Well, this is what I mean. And this is why it's like, OK, yeah, 31 and 10. OK, who, who cares? Because in the end, what this is what I mean. This is kind of what I'm getting at is that what that does not tell you the story of what happened here. They had super hot shooting to start the first half. There was some lackadaisical rotation. So some of those were easy looks. Some were mm-hmm. like Kessler Edwards missed dunk into into rhythm Evan Fournier three, where you're like, what are we even doing here? You know, like, right. so, so like where you're just, where you're thinking to yourself, like, okay, well, oh, this is going to, how it's going to go. Maybe we hit the liquor cabinet a little early, but that is when, that is when you say, you know what? It was all bad decisions. I'm done. <laughs> I, I tapped right, out. Like, what are you going to do? Like, this is just how it's going, but you stick, you stay the course. You think we made this decision to start because this we felt was our best chance to win in terms of defensive liabilities and or who's not going to be as the, about a defensive liability. We're going to need to be ultra physical in a team against a team that probably at times wants to play very bully ballish and mm-hmm. that's just because they can't because they're not a finesse team at all <laughs> and they don't and like you said they don't typically shoot that well at all and 
he's the kind of guy that is going to have that little bit to him. And he did. And so you're going to live with sometimes these little shimmy shakes to the rim that look terrible. And like the behind the back pass in traffic that somehow landed in Aldridge's bread basket. Like just you live with that stuff. (laughs) Exactly. You live with that stuff, but this, and I, and I wouldn't mind if they just go right back to Kessler and start, he starts the next game against Washington because you just don't need James Johnson enough. Like, and so, and it'll be interesting to see if they do that. And this is all to say, like, I'm not even saying like this is like that Nash has made every right decision. Like the first rotation with Javon Carter was a total mess. Like he, yep. like this, there's there was mistakes made. I'm just pointing to the in the aggregate this kind of decision to start James Johnson here. You have to look at it through the whole lens of the entire game of why they wanted to do it. And I think when you look at it that way, like the original goal is what ended up happening. So anyway, you can tell I'm fired up, buddy. This is like yeah. this game's got me. Uh, this game's got me wild. Okay. First, got to talk to you about our friends over at Rock Auto. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30 or even 50% more for the same auto parts from a chain store or car dealership? I can't even say the car dealership for getting parts because you don't even know how badly you're getting soaked over there. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers like you, like Adam, like me at times. For over 20 years, Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, new carpets, and all of those parts in between. Cars have a lot of parts. Adam, how many car uh, car parts do you think there are? Nine. Oh my God, it's so many more than that. Uh, You can go explore and you'll just go, if you figure it out, go to rockauto.com right now. Go explore their easy to use website today to find the solution for your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. So the last piece then to me, just real quick before we get into just the overall, I think, team chemistry and growth coming out of the trade and, and what it means for them going forward here is you mentioned Kessler Edwards at the end of it. He has been struggling from an offensive perspective, and I do think if I'm going to I'll put in the credit to Steve Nash category or just a smart move, I don't care who you want to credit it for. When a young player is struggling, it's not the worst thing to give him a breather from it. And if someone's going to take lumps in a game like this, you'd rather it be James Johnson. If he's going to struggle... Let James Johnson struggle because he may not be as integral to what you want to accomplish over the last 20-plus games of the season as Kessler-Edwards. And sometimes, for young players, we know when you get to take a step back and watch things from the sidelines, it gives you a better insight into how to be more effective and maybe be a more complimentary piece when you're out there on the court on both ends of the floor with consistency. And the the blown dunk, it's a chuckle and we don't have to worry about it. But I think that that was the microcosm of what Kessler's been going through of late. So it makes sense from that standpoint as well. You... You also look at this team then, and you see Seth Curry knocks down some big ones here. I said it over on, I didn't even realize, looked into it. Patty Mills coming into this game was shooting 33% from beyond the arc over the last six games coming in. Started 0 of 3. Finally got a couple to fall here in the second half of this game. But it was funny about the first half and the hot shooting of the Knicks combined with, we say these pieces matter and they'll start to be really good to surround the superstars with. But there was an early sample of, And if you're not knocking down the perimeter shots, suddenly everything else you want to do in behind it and what you want to accomplish in the lane is difficult as well. They turn the corner, they get the win. Do you look at this as the the breath of fresh air that we've kind of talked about after this trade? Bruce Brown had additional comments saying like, yeah, no, everyone was cool. There was no problems, but we like what we're doing now. It just, it feels like everyone is 
bought into the back end of the season, whereas maybe it was going to go a much different way if you found yourself after the deadline still with James Harden understanding where his real desires lied. Yeah, well, I think that right now, at least this team we saw against the Knicks is a team that understands like sort of where they are on the hierarchy of this team. Like there is no one in this team that has um, like an ego around probably where they think they should be once the team is healthy. Right. Mm -hmm. Like this is a group of these are all role players. Like at this point, this is either rising guys who are trying to figure out their way in the league, a la Cam Thomas, Kessler, whatever, or dudes that have been around the block enough to know, hey, when it's going time, I know where I land in the pecking order. Right now, mm-hmm. no Kevin Durant, no Kyrie Irving. Seth Curry knows he needs to take more shots. Probably find a few more, you know, non-threes that he's going to be taking, you know, when these guys get healthy, right? Like a few more Andre Drummond putting the ball on the deck trying to get to the basket than we'll be seeing when Kevin Durant is around. 19 rebounds, by the way. Um, yeah. Worth noting, 19 rebounds in a stark contrast to we used to talk about uh, DeAndre Jordan and saying, well, he can fill up a stat sheet in somewhat, you know, incidental ways where, where the stats at the end of it can be a little bit bigger than the real impact that he had. This feels the exact opposite. Drummond's rebounds and everything that he does, specifically to this team this year, it was like, oh, yeah, that's everything that you've been lacking. This big body that wants to throw his weight around and even occasionally give himself his own rebounds on his misses to get the post I was going to say, say it's a little, play. there's a little bit there's of padding a couple, here. Like, there's a couple, <laughs> but I'm saying at least 14 of these are solid, I think. You don't get 19 rebounds in 23 minutes without like a little <laughs> bit of like, I'm doing everything just to get the rebound and nothing else. Like, But he does, I, I'll say for Drummond, just have having watched a lot of him over the years too. He does get rebounds in traffic better than a lot of other guys. Like there's times with like the ball, we've seen this and just think of how many times you've seen this from Nets this season, these 50, 50 balls that like just cannot seem to go the Nets way. Like they just, yes. you know, they land over the top of a defender. The box out is a little weird. The hands aren't as good. The Nets just don't have a ton of size. Drummond does grab a lot more of those 50, 50 balls. And that's a, that is sort of a breath of fresh air because those hands and like once his, if his hands touch the ball, it's, a rebound for him yes. <laughs> right like if it, if his fingertips touch it like that ball is now his and that's not something I think that we can say a lot of these Nets guys I do think he's been about he's been like sort of a, a stat pattern for a lot of his career too so I'm not going to go nuts about this but it's still in situations like this where they need a guy to eat innings and because they do not have superstars and these are not crunch time game seven minutes you do need dudes like this we I said yes. we said this from the beginning like we're like do I love DeAndre Jordan? No. Can he play 15 minutes for this team through the the like the <laughs> nitty gritty of the season and games that don't really matter that much? Yeah, because yes. sometimes you just need a big dude to stand under the basket and get those 50-50 balls. Um, Drummond is filling that need for a team right now because they just don't. I mean, Sharp is a little bit like that, but like Blake is not like that at all. Well, Lamarcus Aldridge is definitely not like this at all, and. They just need this guy to eat 24 minutes worth of innings on <laughs> underneath the basket, and he's that's kind of what they need. And if you have three guys or four guys around him that can shoot, or like we said, like a Bruce Brown that can cut to the basket, it's going to be pretty helpful. We didn't see as much of that in this game, I think, because of the James Johnson starting piece. Like I said at the beginning, like that part wasn't as fluid offensively, but I think that was more having to do with how kind of James Johnson operates in the offense. But like I said, like this is where you just have all these role players. And you just know the second Kevin Durant comes back, it's like, okay, we're going to drop right back down to where we need to be. And this feels like, too, so, you know, now back-to-back wins after the 11-game slide. One more game, 
Orton against Washington before they head to the All-Star break. But you mentioned Bruce Brown even. Again, I don't want to overreact to the way things have looked differently post-trade. And whether it's that you survived the deadline, so now you know that you're a part of this team going forward potentially if you're a Bruce Brown, right? Like you just, you you cannot have, even as early as game number one this season and you're Bruce Brown, you probably looked at it and said, boy, I'm not, I I don't have the same role that I once did on this team just a year ago. Am I still a part of this? It looks like he's been rejuvenated a little bit. and, And we've already said before, with the addition of Drummond and of Curry, it feels like Bruce Brown can get back into a rhythm of having a real function inside of this team. Getting this last win then tomorrow against, we'll be in there in the postgame as well, but it does feel like if you can go 3-0 and before the All-Star break, at, coming off of this trade, it does set you up to say, yep, we, we, we struck all the right chords here in the decisions that we made ahead of that, and now you start to fold everybody else in. Is there anybody that you think, like so for James Johnson, for example, is this big game for, from him and a nice performance from him great and also you could still be the guy that we have to move on from if we need a buyout guy. Do you think that the Nets are still hunting a buyout market player here, or do they want to try to ride this wave and, and again, fit everybody back into their slots and, and hopefully see that development come here after the break? Yeah, that's interesting. I'm not really sure. I think we'll probably have to like spend some of the all-star break kind of thinking that over because when you start a game, I, like that, you know, Bembry started, what, three games before that and was waived after the trade or something like yeah, that, right? Yeah. And so it's not just because you start a game doesn't mean you're going to finish the season on the team. I think this is, team is still far from complete. Um, they still have probably a move to make. I don't know how robust this buyout market's going to be, um, especially around the type of player that they like the type of player that's going to probably getting bought out now. Like we're seeing Dragic has gotten bought out. Like Tristan Thompson was waived, but they nets have no need for a guy like him at all. Now in their current construction, I'm not sure how robust that market's going to be. So this might be what they're kind of looking at here. Like, and so I actually am not too concerned with it, but just because like this James Johnson performance wouldn't preclude me from moving on from him if there was someone really great on the market I I just don't think that's I just don't see that happening I don't think and I I think you talked about this over the entire season you know the Nets need more three and D yeah everybody does right so you're you're gonna have a hard time finding that but what I think is 33rd wrote uh different starting lineup tonight for for the Nets and Steve Nash and I do think as guys get healthy the, the, the rest of these games it's, it's about refining who plugs in best. That's what I think we're talking about here, right? Where does Blake Griffin sit in the hierarchy of things? Can Cam Thomas continue to carve out a role for himself off of a performance like this and say, hey, I can be another offensive weapon for this team around the stars when we're back on the court healthy, right? Like that, I think, is really more than anything. You could name a body and tell me that he's going to be an improvement over someone that's on this roster, or you could tell me, just keep refining. Keep refining until you get down to those top eight, nine guys that are going to be there when the playoff run starts. That's all I want to know. Who fills those roles specifically? And taking the next 20-plus games to do so is as important as anything else you're going to accomplish here, excluding health of uh, Kevin Durant and getting Ben Simmons out on the court as well. But that's where we're at, though. And I think it's a good thing, by the way. You get through this deadline, you make the move. These are the guys you're running with. Maybe there'll be a small move. But for the most part, everyone can say, all right, Let's go. Let's turn this thing on and let's get ourselves back locked into a solid playoff position and getting these couple of wins here matters, as we said, keeping yourself in the meaty part of the Eastern Conference standings. 
Yeah, a little breathing room here. Like I said, we, or you, you know, we've been saying here the second win in a row off off of this really disastrous stretch is everything they needed. It'd be awesome for them to go into Washington. Excuse me, uh, host Washington on Thursday, make it three in a row heading into the All Star break. You have to believe after what you saw from this group against a really depleted Washington team that doesn't have Bradley Beal, that traded away Dinwiddie, that traded away Montrez Harrell, that's kind of playing with Kyle Kuzma or Bus now. Like you think you you have to hope that they can who's also coming on the back-to-back because they just played mm-hmm. and lost to the Pacers. Like, making this three in a row would be really nice. And after a win like this is where you start believing, okay, we gave ourselves some breathing room here. Let's start getting ourselves out of this playing game now. <laughs> like, that's yes. that's the next yep. goal. It's like, get out of this playing game. They're not there yet as, as of right now, but you can start to see signs of life when it comes to that. So we'll be back after tomorrow's game, or if you're listening to this on Thursday, tonight's game against the Wizards. In the meantime, make sure you subscribe to the Locked On Nets YouTube channel. I will put the link over in the show notes. Of course, man. And as we say, listen, big performances from young players are always interesting. You know who didn't know anything about rookies? There's a guy that would say something like this. A lot of rookies hit the wall after 50 or 60 games. Andrew Bogut, you fool. Oh, no. One of the all-time worst poets. We'll be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.